say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The entire auto industry is completely fixated on the quality problems that Toyota is running into. The company that built its reputation on the quality of its vehicles is now under the kind of scrutiny and criticism that would have been unthinkable just a year ago. So what went wrong at Toyota? Is it really getting a handle on how to fix this problem? And can the company fully recover from the damage to its reputation? To help get answers to those questions, I've got three people coming on the show who have been following this story closely. Jeff Green is the Detroit bureau chief for Bloomberg. Mark Phelan is a columnist and reporter for the Detroit Free Press. And Dennis Petrowski is the managing director of the RDA Group, a company that does research and analysis on quality issues for all kinds of companies, including automakers. Don't go away. We've got a lot of issues to dive into, and we'll be back to get to the bottom of Toyota's recalls right after this. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to AutoLine Detroit, where we're going to be talking all about quality today. And joining me for the show is Mark Phelan from the Detroit Free Press, Jeff Green from Bloomberg, and Dennis Petrowski from the RDA Group. Great having you all here. Thank you. Jeff, let me start with you. I mean, talking about quality, we can't do anything but talk about Toyota, at least to start with these days. Is this getting behind them? And here's what I'm asking. They, they had a floor mat issue, seem to have addressed that. They had this sticking gas pedal issue. They seem to be resolving that. But there's still all this talk out here that maybe there's electronic throttle control and the computer is making these things accelerate wildly. Where do we stand with where this is going? Every time they talk, somebody else says, no, that's not the whole story. There's more to it. They've been contradicted in almost every public statement they made. I mean, they talked... On Monday, it looked like they were going to get it behind them. They're going to finally get out the voice of Toyota. There's going to be a face. And then within 12 hours, there is a statement from the Commerce and Energy Committee, Energy and Commerce Committee, talking about all the inconsistencies between what Jim Lentz said to the public and what his staff was saying in private. It, it, it seems like they can't win for losing. They try to be full disclosure. They get burned on that. They try to, okay, we're going to kind of circle the wagons and, and let this thing, you know, see, see where it goes. They get burned by that. It, it, this is not going to go away at least until after the hearings, which, you know, go for the rest of this month. Mark, what do you make of this? Are, are we at the end of this, or there's still another shoe to drop out there? Oh, God, I, I think there's a whole shoe tree to drop the way this thing looks. I mean, every time they think that they've addressed it, something else happens, or they contradict themselves. And, and to say that you know they're, they were trying to be you know, forthcoming, I, I think it is a little bit kind. I mean, they were. Where, where do they things, contradict themselves? Um, oh well, let's see. It, it's you know, first it is only a very very few cars, and you know, then it grows and it grows and it grows, and then it's only cars in the United States, and then it's a couple of million cars in Europe, and some number that we don't know about you know in Asia. 
and they, they just seem to be having a hard time getting the story straight, even on things as simple as the timing of when the fixes will be ready. And you know, if a person you know, goes to the dealer and they say, no, I want the thing you're putting in at the factory, will you do that or not? The answer is, well, you know, it's on a case-by-case -case basis, which means they don't want everybody coming and asking for that. But if you complain enough, they will, which is the way that car companies get in trouble you know, by just being sort of dragged, kicking, and screaming into this stuff. And even worse, when did it start? You have them saying, well, we, you know, in the United States, we just I, we learned about it in the fall. We dealt with it quickly. Their spokesman in Europe was saying, well, we've had a fix in place in Europe since August, and it went into production. All the cars have, this, have the new configuration. There's another in, you know, indication maybe they knew in, in the fall in, in England. And, 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 Nitsa saying, we started talking to you guys about this in 2007. Dennis, RDA Group does all kinds of quality studies for a company. Uh, how does an automaker go about trying to dig up what is the root cause of the problem? What's involved in all that? Right. Well, you know, with something like this, it's, it's particularly difficult because it's a safety issue. And trying to, here it is, they're going to first of all look at incidents uh, getting reported into NHTSA. But then at that point, they're also going to be, in addition to that incidents, trying to replicate it. And all the climate testing you want to do in a laboratory situation is not necessarily going to discover what happens to a vehicle uh, in parts over time. You know, that's, in the that's real the, world. In the, in the real world, exactly. A vehicle can get out there, and maybe it's, it's sitting in a hot, humid condition for two weeks, once every other month or something of that nature. So for three to six years, typical ownership cycle, it's very difficult to model that in. So it's, this is something that uh, would be very difficult for them to catch. What, what's your sense? And I, you know, I don't want to put you on the line with any of your clients or anything like that. Do they have this thing? Does Toyota know what's really going on here? Um, you know, for, for me right now, that's more speculative. Um, it, it seems like they do know what's going on. The questions that are arising in the media are... How long have they known it, and are they telling the full story as to when they found out, and, you know, as we've discussed? Yeah. So. Jeff, let's go back to uh, what, how the administration is handling this. Ray Hood is out beating the bushes. I mean, it seems like he's almost on a, on a personal attack here with, uh, with Toyota. He told people earlier in the week, just park the thing, walk away from it. Then he said, oh, I misspoke myself. Earlier, he has said, we had to go to Japan and almost force Toyota to do this. Is, is this the administration ratcheting up pressure on the Japanese because it is the Japanese? Well, you can get whiplash watching Ray LaHood right now. I mean, keep in mind that a week before, he said Toyota had stepped up and done. He was, he was in Bloomberg's D.C. studio saying these guys have been great. They stepped up. They did everything. They so what right, change? Why right would he now there? come and say, hey, these guys don't Two know what they're doing? hearings in which he's going to testify, and there's going to be a lot of questions about exactly how was it dealt with. And, and the facts being that they had gone there and talked to them on two occasions, once in Japan, once in the United States, and they hadn't immediately done a recall. It's hard to square with they stepped up and did everything. So he's in a position where he's going to have to testify before the House, at least at this point. There's been no, no talk of a Senate hearing yet. He's going to have to testify before the House about what his agency did, when they knew, what, and how they responded to it. Mark, the Japanese media is portraying the American media's coverage of this story as Japan bashing, that it's a, a, you know, an upswing in protectionist uh, measures. And uh, certainly it would seem that Ray LaHood's flip-flopping on this issue is going to feed that perception. 
Perhaps, but the Japanese media is also now full of reports that Japan's own safety regulators are looking into a different set of problems that have been reported with the current version of the Prius, which is not one of the cars that's you know covered by any of the things in America. So th there's pressure on Toyota from all sides, and you know, honestly, I, I would you know think that you could argue that you know LaHood is, is doing his job. I mean, if if I had a kid that was you know driving off to school in one of these vehicles. I would be, you know, concerned about it. I, I want the, the, you know, Secretary of Transportation to, you know, come down hard and, and, you know, hold these people's feet to the fire until there is an answer and it's fixed. Dennis, Ford's getting all kinds of accolades these days of having improved its quality, and I, I think it really has. But I got to believe, whether it's Ford or other automakers out there, that they could only be a heartbeat away from having the same thing hit them as has hit Toyota. Oh, it, absolutely. As I, I mentioned, even in terms of the testing, everybody is working so hard in terms of commonalizing parts and processes that once once you do that, the the the, the efficiencies that you gain are tremendous. But it, it also puts everybody at risk, all the manufacturers, for really a catastrophic failure on the magnitude of what Toyota is going through right now. It, it really is, for them, that perfect storm. And what's your sense of, on, on this whole uh, unintended acceleration issue as it hits Toyota? Is, is this just the, the media creating a frenzy, or, or does Toyota really truly have a problem here? Well, you know, again, if you, if you start going back and looking at the incidents of what occurred, I think the, the fact that it is a safety issue and there are reported deaths from this is really what's, what's driving the perception and all of the emotion around these discussions. The, um, it, Toyota's quality, per se, when you look at customer surveys and customer feedback of reported troubles, it has not deteriorated the last few years. But that's, you know, again, this is something that could happen to any of the manufacturers. Because they're, they're commonizing all this stuff. And, and when everything works, that's great. But if there's a defect, it's on multiple model right. lines, not just one car line. Right. Uh, Jeff, what's your sense? Is, is the public going to uh, go back to Toyota at some point down the road? Is, is this something that they can fix? Or what's your view of it? The, the sense we get talking to owners is there is still so almost a blind loyalty to Toyota. They haven't killed that in a vast majority of, especially when you go to a dealership, which is where you would expect to find people. They're coming in, they're, they're going to their dealer, they're looking for, but there is a growing list of people who are, you know, new Toyota buyers. They've just shifted over the brand. Think about how quickly they've picked up market share in the last couple of years where they went from a fairly stable market share to this heavy growth that they were pushing. There's a lot of people who are fairly new to Toyota. Their loyalty isn't firm. And they're saying, I used to always buy U.S. guys. I went here because this was supposed to be the safe place. Now i got to park my car. You know, I'm getting these emails all the time. I'm going back to a Chevy Malibu as soon as I can. So that is maybe it's it's not the core Toyota customer they're going to lose. It's it's that growth customer, and this is a market that's the growth customer is is where all the action is now. It's a mature market, and it's all on the margins, and they may be losing the margins. That may be what's happening. You know, and it, your your examples are very very good because the Chevy Malibu outsold the Toyota Camry last month, and to me that that's a a real red flag for Toyota. Mark, I know you get all kinds of reader feedback. What are your readers telling you? Uh, two things. One, that they are nervous. Even owners of Toyota, Lexus, and Scion vehicles that are not part of any of these recalls, they're nervous you know, and they're worried. 
that is an issue that you know, Toyota is going to have to deal with. And there are also questions being raised about the basic underlying technology. E even though there hasn't been any proof that electronic throttle controls are involved in any of these problems, it's one of the things that's being investigated. It's all over the internet. I mean, all yes. in the chat rooms, everyone's talking about ETC, electronic yep. throttle control, and that being the root cause of the problem. But that's just internet chat. Yet. How, perhaps it will turn out to be, perhaps not. But part of the problem is that that's a technology that every automaker relies on. It's very important for the fuel efficiency gains that all the car companies need. So if there is a problem, even if it is, you know, just, even if there's no problem, it will be an issue. And if there is an actual problem, even if it's limited to just one company, it's going to set back that technology and it'll affect all the other automakers as well. Dennis, Ford, as we talked about earlier, has greatly improved its, its quality. Right. Walk us through what, Ford's a great example, but walk us through how an automaker improves its quality. And again, you know, if you look at some of the latest stuff, Consumer Reports is gaga about Ford quality. Uh, even right. in some of the J.D. Power survey and the like, it, it's moved right up there with Toyota and Honda, arguably. I don't know. What do your numbers show? Yeah, they, um, our numbers are showing that they are statistically equivalent with Toyota and Honda at this point. Um, and how'd they get there? How did they get there? Well, it, it's really been tremendous organizational focus. It, a lot of it has to do with, with more effective integration um, within the company in terms of commitment to quality, not just from one, from the quality and manufacturing part of the organization, but also in the design. Um, they still have room to improve even from that standpoint because one area that we're, we're seeing that manufacturers are very reluctant to really focus on and work into is with their dealerships. And for the majority of customers, they don't understand the differentiation between a manufacturer and an independently owned franchise. To them, the dealer is the company. That is the face of the company. And that's an important aspect as well. A lot of the research that we conduct tells us that customer perception of quality and um, how they evaluate it is driven by a lot of things beyond whether or not everything is working as it's intended to. So Ford still has, they're doing well on the, the product yeah. side. Now yeah. you're saying they got to address the retail side of the business. It, you know, they're, they're, in comparison to Toyota, they're a lot further along on the retail side. So they're, they're doing a much better job there. They still have room to improve, as do most of the manufacturers. Jeff, how do you think Toyota dealers are handling this this situation, or have you dug into that it, enough to know? They're, I mean, bracing really. They haven't, you know, the parts are just coming. Uh, you know, some of them probably won't be there until later next week. Um, it, it, they have hundreds of customers calling, but the faith in Toyota is still pretty strong. I mean, these guys are making a lot of money being Toyota dealers. If, if, if it takes a lot to take that away, and, and it is pretty much that's where they've sunk their reputation. So they, they seem to be basically saying, we're going to trust these guys. They've always done good by us in the past, and, and the, we continue to do. And, you know, let's face it, a lot of these guys are going to make a ton of money in the back shop where they make most of their money anyway. So this has a, this has a bit of a silver lining. If, if the reputation of Toyota can survive, their dealers are probably going to make up, more than make up for their lost sales in the back shop as they fix all these cars, 30 minutes a pop, all warranty, no cost to them. And what is the feedback that you're getting, Mark, vis-a-vis -vis the dealers? Well, the, the, the question really is how will customers feel when they find out how long it will be until they can get their vehicle tested. And we're talking about 2.3 million vehicles in this recall alone. 
spread out over maybe a thousand Toyota dealers. How long does it take? Each one of these fixes takes half an hour. You're looking at people, even if every replacement part had already been built, you're looking at owners that aren't going to have this problem addressed probably for months. And are they going to get impatient? You know, are they going to get angry? That, that's, I, I think, the big question. And Toyota dealers have never dealt with anything like this. How well can they do it? But, uh, Dennis, isn't it true that most consumers just ignore recalls anyway? And, and, and would they ignore it in a case like this that's getting national yeah. headlines every day? Yeah, well, it, again, in a case like this where there's a safety-related issue, not only are customers going to be more compelled to get it taken care of because once, once somebody goes on the air and says, hey, this happens rarely, but should it happen to you, you need to... Push hard with both feet on the brake, shift into neutral and pull over to the side of the road. You know what, that's great for a highly skilled driver or the pilot who landed a plane safely on the Potomac. But, the, you know, the, my mother and a lot of people would be very hard-pressed, and average drivers would be very hard-pressed to do that under fire. So that, from that side, I don't know. The other, the other real big issue about this is the loss of confidence. A lot of people out there, because Toyota has been iconic for so many years, they would, Toyota certainly in their consideration set, and that's an area where um, already there have, has been a change in the likelihood that customers will consider a Toyota product as a result of that. Certainly something they can rebound from in subsequent years and months, um, depending on how this all plays out at the dealerships. But. Well, well, sure they can, because, you know, a decade ago, we were all talking about Ford and Explorers going upside down and people getting killed. And now here we are today talking about how good their quality is and how strong their sales are. So I'm sure the same thing can happen to Toyota as Absolutely. well. So uh, when you look at all the data that you, you parse through, what do you look for? Is it, is it trends? Is it absolute failures? How, how do you start to discern through all the data that there's a problem in the making or, or maybe just the opposite, that the company's really getting back on track? Well, in, in terms of there's, there's a couple elements. One of it is we, we do look at uh, failures or troubles or concerns or problems reported by customers, um, and we report those back to the manufacturers. Um, but then we also look at the satisfaction the customer expresses with the quality of the vehicle, which, again, it incorporates a lot more than just hard failures. Um, to, to determine are they getting back on track, some of that gets more into attitudinal uh, measurements rather than hard failures because Toyota has, the last couple of years, they've continued uh, to improve slightly, not as fast as, say, Hyundai or, or Ford have certainly been the ones that have come on the strongest at this point. And um, likewise, Honda has continued to slowly improve in the customer-reported troubles. Now, the, the, the interesting thing, though, is Toyota, both Toyota and Honda, for roughly the past 8, 10 years, when it comes to those um, satisfaction measures, They've, they've gone absolutely flat. They've not improved satisfaction with the quality of the vehicle in the customer's minds. So when we're, we're looking at trends and trying to figure out what's, what's going wrong, um, getting customer-reported feedback is, is just one piece the manufacturer uses. Obviously, they have to focus on warranty, but more and more they've got to look at soft failures as well. Jeff, how do you think you turn public perception in the sense that, you know, 
as, as Dennis pointed out, Ford is statistically in a dead heat with Toyota and Honda. And, but it's been there for a couple of years now, right? St- years. Statistical dead heat. But, you know, if you go back two years ago, people would have said, ah, you know, Detroit, they just make junk, Japanese, they make beautiful stuff. And here we are. The real data hasn't changed, but people's perceptions I have. Well, why well, is that? It's not actually even true, though, that the real data, the under, if, if the underlying data hadn't changed, I don't think you'd have Toyota in this problem. Toyota recalls have been creeping up for the last five or six years. When you look at the data, they're as bad or worse than the you know, the U.S. competitors. So they, there was some reality underlying sort of the you know the, this this perception that they were slipping. It wasn't just this one incident, and and it wasn't that long ago that when you thought of Ford, you thought of that Ford Explorer with the shredded tire on its back and the father leaning over his dead child. And, I mean, these things tend to shift, and they can shift quickly. Look how quickly Ford has come on as this hero. I mean, he was, they were in the same barrel a year ago. They were all at Congress saying, we need money to survive. Toyota is now, you know, profitable and seems to be on the mend, and GM and, and Chrysler still, you know, are, are looking for credibility. So it, I, I think if or Toyota... Ford was on. You, yeah. you misspoke a little yeah, bit. Ford, Ford's on the mend, right? Yeah, yeah. Ford's on the mend. And, and, I mean, Toyota already does have this great sort of institutional reputation. If they can get past this and then stick to it, like I mean, the one thing they are good at is sticking to things, plugging away. That may be their problem they here. They never is, give yeah, up. They, they don't react quickly, <laughs> but they are very good at something that requires you just plug away relentlessly again and again and again and keep going at it till you get it right. And, and in this case, that's how you recover from something like this. Mark, do you think it's possible that we're going to look back on this in a couple of months or maybe a couple of years, but let's say in the short term and say, boy, those guys were geniuses. They attacked the problem. They shut down sales and production. And boy, did they get this handled. It's possible. I mean, so far, it seems that every opportunity they've had to get ahead of the story, they've squandered it. So I I think at this point, the best that they can hope for is that going forward, they do it right and they don't do any further damage. And then, because it takes a long time to build a reputation for good quality, but you know there is a persistence of vision. People remember you as the quality brand. If they can get their hands around this, convince people they fixed it, avoid any more. I mean, this has been a death of a thousand cuts for them for the last five months. If they can stop that, then certainly they can reinstate themselves as the benchmark for the industry. Yeah, I'd agree. But I've been saying all along, too, if there's another recall lurking out there that they don't know about. I don't care, as my example has been, I don't care if the dome light burns out. If there's another recall, they're going to be in serious, serious trouble here. And part of the problem is that now there is that appetite. So when one of the co-founders of Apple says that he has a problem with his Prius, Steve Wozniak. Exactly. One of the people who is a god to the Prius owner. When he says he's got a problem and he thinks it's electronics, six months ago, that probably would not have been picked up by a second media outlet. It's front page news. It's on the evening network newscasts right now because there is a belief that Toyota, the the, the belief of Toyota's infallibility is gone. And the question is whether they can get it back. And and you raise a really good point because this week it came out that the Japanese and American governments are now going to investigate the Prius for potential brake problems. And, you know, not only has Toyota had a halo, the halo of the halos was the Prius. And if if all of a sudden that gets knocked off the top, uh, it's got to be bad for the company. That's the one thing that would be worse than everything that's already happened, I think. 
So, Dennis, last word. If, if you were Toyota, what would you do to solve this problem uh, in, in terms of really digging into finding out what's wrong? Like you said, you, you, you can't test this thing for six years. You've got to test right. it right now and get a solution in. Right. What, what would you do? One of the things, again, the, the manufacturers in general right now, they, they work with NHTSA. They look at incidents. They've, they've got to take a little bit of a different approach. And instead of automatically with something like a sticky gas pedal or sudden acceleration, they assume if they, there's not a real high incidence, they like to assume almost that it's um, operator error because that does occur as well. Um, Audi's had that problem in the past. Uh, it, it's certainly possible, but what, what they really need to shift to is starting to look at it and say, how do I prove that this did fail and what what could we be doing differently in the design to make sure it doesn't fail in the future um, but then again you know they still have those those other elements you can't model time in as we discussed into testing parts well we're going to have to watch how this story goes because yeah. clearly it's not yet over but anyway mark jeff dennis thanks all for coming in and talking all about these quality issues and i'll be back in a moment with some closing thoughts I hope we helped shed some light for you today on this problem that Toyota's facing, as well as the larger issue that affects quality. And I invite you to join us again next week when we'll take a look at how and why the big football game is such a big deal for so many car companies. Yeah, sure, they want to reach a bigger audience, but it goes a lot deeper than that. Super Bowl ads are all about creativity, prestige, and corporate ego. I think you'll find this to be an insightful discussion. But that brings us to the end of this program. For all of us here at AutoLine Detroit, thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.